computer. Hello to everyone. This is National Master, Premier Chess CEO, Evan Rabin. I am very excited to be here on the 190th edition of the Premier Chess podcast. We are stepping up to 200 uh, in the relatively near future. Uh, every single week, we actually interview uh, great chess professionals, business leaders, attorneys, uh, many other types of people who have actually found their fashion and improve on their uh, career. Uh, this week, we actually have Brian Karen, who is a candidate master who I've actually known for uh, probably about 20 years now. He uh, grew up in Merrick, Long Island. He discovered chess uh, at about 16 years old. Uh, so I would say actually relatively uh, late uh, in his life. You know, we do hear a lot of uh, prodigies these days, uh, you know, starting super, super early. Mishra just became you know, the, the youngest grandmaster at all, of, of all time. Uh, he's 12 years old. Uh, but okay, I also actually saw a Facebook post that my good friend Sam Shanklin uh, wrote two days ago about how, uh, you know, he was 13 uh, and only, you know, a master, uh, you know, at the time. Obviously still in the grand scheme of things, relatively very strong compared to 13-year-olds. I think I was about, uh, you know, maybe 1,500 when I was 13. Uh, but but still, um, you know, it, it goes to show that uh, you don't necessarily have to be, uh, you know, a prodigy uh, to, uh, you know, become a grandmaster, uh, you know, one day. Um, but, uh, okay, before we get into uh, some conversation, a little bit more about, uh, you know, Brian, a little bit more about Brian. Uh, for one, he actually has recently started uh, teaching for us uh, some private lessons here and there in, in Long Island. Um, and he is, uh, you know, available, uh, you know, for more. Um, but uh, yeah, he um, was definitely, I would say, one of the first, uh, you know, chess uh, tech uh, experts, uh, you know, out there uh, using the uh, inter internet chess server, uh, where he actually became an admin uh, in 1993. Um, and he was also uh, there in the glass booth with the uh, Kasparov uh, and Anand. Uh, in the uh, 1995 match. Um, he's also been involved uh, in with the Nassau uh, Chess Club for many years. Um, and he is actually also a huge, I would say, Facebook networker. Uh, you know, he's been, um, he founded and administered the Chess Book Collectors Group, which now has 43,000 members, uh, including myself, and the FIDE World Championship 2021 group, which actually has 56,000 members. So. Um, I know when I was in Dubai uh, for the uh, Carlton Nippon match, I was posting there uh, a couple times. And uh, yeah, it's uh, my pleasure to have you on today, Brian. How's everything going? Uh, everything's going great. Thanks for the introduction. Um, yeah, a, a few interesting things you said. When you said I started late, it, it's true. You know, like based on today's numbers, uh, you know, all these kids are starting at six or whatever and certainly make gm you probably have to start and i was know, personally seven so yeah you were seven um but when i started you know this was in like the mid to late 80s it was like 16 was a little bit young i mean there were certainly people who started younger than that back then but not as many because you didn't have the school programs you didn't have you know the computer programs were just starting and stuff you know so it's as the computer technology advanced and as the school programs advance and all that, 
people have been starting younger and younger. But I remember going down to the club at 16 and I was like one of the younger players there. Uh, maybe, you know, possibly even the youngest. I, I don't know. But certainly if I went down to a club today at 16, I wouldn't be. Um, so just so much has changed in that respect. Right. So let me ask you, uh, you know, the first question that I wanted to, you know, actually, uh, you know, ask is, um, you know, look, we, I, I get this a lot. Uh, you know, a lot of students will tell me, oh, I'm, you know, in high school or I'm in college or I'm an adult. Uh, you know, I wish I learned chess, you know, as a kid. Um, what, what do you have to tell for those like adult uh, improvers? Well, I mean, there's no, despite what I just said, there's no question in terms of uh, improvement and getting good. You know, it, there's definitely an advantage to people started, I'd say, before 13. Uh, you know, I don't know all the science behind it, but obviously you reach puberty at 13. And I think after that, it becomes harder. And then also for adults, you know, um, I'd say whatever you want to get into, whether it's chess or trumpets or anything you like, uh, it's a good idea to get, get done before you reach, say, college age. Because once you get college age, you know, you're busy with college. Next thing you know. So, so let, let me stop you. I mean, yeah. I, I think there's no question that, uh, like, for sure, like, look, with anything else, right, it's better to do it earlier. Um, you know, I've been talking, for instance, a lot to my rabbi, Levi Welton, who, of course, has actually been on the podcast, you know, a lot, uh, you know, about some of the ways he's raising his son, right? Technically, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's funny, we're talking about the age 13, you don't need to do any mitzvot in Judaism until you're 13, uh, you know, right. to Jewish law. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, you know, he talks to me all the time about, oh, and this is what I'm dealing with David now. He's, you know, like, uh, well, actually now just over four, but, you know, I remember when he was two and a half, we were teaching him, you know, like certain mitzvot, uh, you know, that way, uh, you know, they're, they're just kind of like ingrained. Um, right. But, uh, you know, th that said, like, you know, look, for whatever reason, someone never mentioned chess. You know, maybe they saw Queen's Gambit now, and you know, for the first time, they're they're interested, uh, you know, in chess. Um, you know, what, what would you like suggest to them? Uh, you know, in order to like improve. Okay, so I mean, first of all, um, one thing I'd also distinguish is between reasons for doing chess. Uh, is it only about improvement? So, you know, if you get people, there's some people who come to you, you know, for students and stuff, and they're like, you know, I want to get better, I want to get better, I want to get better. And you go, okay, well, why? You know, like, what's your, what's the reason that you want to get better at chess? I, you know, it seems like an obvious question, obviously. But um, I find the people who don't, you know, first have a real genuine interest in chess, you know, they, they love chess for chess. If they're just doing it to get a number or a rating, they're probably not going to last because, it's going to require a lot of work to improve. And, you know, in the end, you know, if you become a great chess player, I mean, you know, Magnus Carlsen and Super GMs aside, you know, if you put that same amount of work into, you know, business or something, you'll, you'll probably make more money. Um, so you have to really love it. And, and don't get me wrong, you know, I, I love it. So and, and the people I think who get the most from chess love it on some level. So I think that's the first thing, you know, if, if they come to me like, I want to improve an adult improver, of course, you know, uh, I understand why you want to improve. But the first thing is, do you really love it? Because, you know, um, now the second thing is, it is hard as an adult, you know, I mean, chess is, uh, you know, we just mentioned, you know, learning before you're 13, it's true in languages and all sorts of things. So um, you shouldn't expect, um, you know, uh, the, the quick results, it's, it's going to be tough, you know, you got you got to get them ready for that. Um, 
it's funny. I, I can tell one one story I had. I taught a CEO of a business years ago, um, very smart guy. And um, he actually went to a tournament and he, he played one of my other students who was a, a little kid at the time. Uh, this kid has since graduated MIT, and, but this was many years ago. And uh, anyway, what happened was the kid was playing very quickly against the, uh, the adult. Now, one of the things I recommend to adult students is, you know, particularly against kids, take your time because even if they're talented, they'll get a little tired, they get a little bored, you know, you know, there's no reason to rush against a kid. Uh, but he didn't do that. He's not following my advice. He's rushing very quickly. So then the game finishes and, and he lost. And I say, well, you know, why were you moving so quickly? You, you know, because the kid was moving. And then he goes, well, he was moving quickly. <laughs> and huh. you know, it's like a CEO. I'm like, okay, you know, just because he's moving quickly doesn't mean you have to. Yeah, well, I, it's interesting because, uh, you know, we recorded an episode yesterday with Danilo Quellar, uh, candidate master who also works uh, for us. And uh, that touches something exactly we were talking about, you know, time management. And now just because your opponent is moving quickly uh, doesn't mean, uh, you know, you, you should uh, as well. Um, right. You should um, realize that, like, if they're moving quickly, they're probably making mistakes. Uh, you know, just like in business, you do need to spend a little bit of time looking at your, you know, competitors, uh, you know, mistakes, you know, looking at what they're doing, you know, figuring out how to, uh, you know, capitalize uh you know on 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 their uh mistakes and uh you know your uh your ad advantages right exactly. so exactly and then uh, you know another thing about adults and kids and you might have noticed this too um there's certain things many things that the adults pick up on very quickly that the kids you know it's like beyond them at first so uh, you know i found like teaching a ladder mate for example you know most adults get that pretty quickly and then there's kids for whatever reason, you know, it's a lot harder than you would think for them to pick it up. Um, and there's certain things like that. So, uh, you know, I think the the overall um, strategy and appreciation for a lot of the games, the, the adults get uh, quickly, but they might not be that good, you know, um, compared to the kids who tactics come to very easily. Um, there's a lot of differences. And, you know, I'm sure you know many of them also. The kids also... You know, I, I mentioned earlier about how computer technology has an advanced so you got younger and younger kids. So the kids I know who are very good at chess, you know, I've had some students who are very, very good at chess. They, they win tournaments and do this. Um, and but the thing is, they're on the computer all the time playing chess. You know, they're doing puzzles they're doing all sorts of activities on chess, which the adults, you know, that I've had, they don't have that sort of time, you, you know, where they could just you know, be on for an hour doing chess tempo and then next hour playing 20 speed games and so on and so forth. So um, in that sense, you know, the time management is also important for the adult. How much time does he have to commit to chess? Um, but, you know, that said, if he enjoys chess and he's willing to put in the work, you know, it, you definitely can improve. I, I wouldn't expect you, you know, most adults aren't going to like skyrocket as quick as some of these prodigies, but I, I'm not like... Uh, you could have steady improvement as long as you set realistic goals and, and have the time to work towards them. Mm. Yeah. So I, I think, um, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, it's an interesting point. And I think a lot of it is just that you need to just get going, you know, just like you start yeah. a new business, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta start going, you don't have time to like prepare everything necessarily. You need to, you know, just move forward and, you know, look, realize that you're going to, you know, make mistakes. 
Um, you know, and enjoy uh, the journey. You, you know, it's uh, again, I, I find with chess, okay, I'm like a big basketball fan also, right? Now, I'm the worst basketball player in the world. You know, you can't find, put me in elementary school, I'll be the worst player even now. Um, but, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy it and I follow it and, you know, I talk about it and, and that's very normal to everyone. Oh, yeah, okay, he likes basketball. With chess, for some reason, it's intrinsic, the improvement part. I mean, I understand why improvement's important and you want to improve and there's, so, it's, there's a lot of fun ways and good ways to improve the chess and maybe it helps your mind and this and that. But in the end, um, it's not the only thing about chess. That's, that's what I kind of find, uh, you know, with adults and, and just in general in the chess atmosphere, everything's about improvement, 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 you know, already, but also, you know, appreciate what you're doing because you're spending a lot of time on it, you know, and it's a big part of your life. So just appreciate it for the chess. Right. Right. So, yeah, I, I think um, like that is definitely, uh, you know, something uh, important to, uh, you know, consider actually that, uh, you know, like, again, you, you just need to like, look, if you enjoy it, you're going to, you know, improve. Um, you yeah, know, I remember you know, actually Grandmaster yeah. Alex Lenderman uh, being on the podcast. And one thing we were, you know, actually talking about was, you know, the, the, the way that each player should uh, study chess uh, should actually not be, uh, you know, exactly the same, right? right. You want to figure out ways uh, to um, study chess that will actually, uh, you know, basically, you know, meet your needs, uh, you know, and, and interest. So um, exactly, that... exactly. You, you know, one more thing I'd add um, as a chess coach, one of, I feel one of my responsibilities is to decide a one, one a child's right to play in tournaments. Uh, the short answer is that, you know, if he loses or do, does badly at first, he's not going to, uh, you know, get super upset. You know, he, he should be ready for, you know, whatever result he gets. But also um, the extent that he wants to do tournaments. Now, there's some people like you as a kid, obviously, who love tournaments. And it's a great experience and they learn a lot from it. And uh, they, they, it's, it's one of the best things you can do. Um, you know, at one point, I really loved it also. Um, but on the other hand, there's some kids, again, you know, I use that basketball analogy. Um, kids do all sorts of stuff where they don't play in tournaments, you know, piano lessons or whatever it is. And they enjoy it. And the parents are happy with that. And I, I don't see any reason chess can't be like that, too. So if I find a kid who's maybe more interested in solving puzzles and the artistic element, but he's not as competitive about it, you know, as a coach, I want, you know, that's where he should go. And, you know, obviously with the parents input too, um, you have to figure out what he wants to get out of chess. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of relates to, to what we were saying. Yeah, no doubt that, uh, you know, definitely makes, uh, you know, a lot of sense. So I want to actually back up, uh, you know, you were one of the first few, you know, I mean, I don't know about first few, but you were definitely uh, an early uh, internet, uh, you know, chess uh, user. Um, right. you know, we've actually, you know, had Mike Klein, for instance, on the podcast, uh, you know, director of chess.com, um, you know, and many others. Uh, now I think, yeah, definitely chess.com and, and Lee Chess sort of, uh, you know, controlled the market. But, uh, you know, back then, uh, yeah, internet uh, chess server, which you were an admin was of, uh, was on. It was also, you know, ICC. So how, how have you seen, uh, you know, internet chess developing uh, over, over the years? Whoa, well, that's a big question. Um, so, you know, the, the brief story is, uh, 
you know, your your former coach, Alan Cantor, I played him in, and he was also one of the early ones, uh, probably like 1984, 1983, when I was really first getting into chess. I mm. went on, I believe it was uh, the Link Network or the Prodigy Network. This was before Internet Chess Server. This was before ICC, way before chess.com and LI Chess. And um, you had to pay a lot of money per hour. And basically, I was amazed because he lived right near me. And uh, he told me about the Nassau Chess Club, the, the club, big club here on Long Island. And I went down and, you know, I found out all about, you know, that's what really got me into tournaments and chess. Um, so Alan introduced both of us, I guess, in a way to chess. Um, but anyway, yeah, back then you had to pay a lot of money. You had these little phone uh, modems and, uh, you know, it, it was fun. But at the same time, uh, you know, I mean, I don't remember exact prices, but you could get big bills quickly. And of course, back then I was in high school, so it was hard to do. Wow. Um and then, uh, then I, you know, there were a few different ones, the Link Network, Prodigy, USA, all these things way before um, the Internet Chess club, uh, server. <clears throat> and then um, around 19, the late 1980s, uh, 1989 maybe, um, I, was, I was a student at Syracuse University, and one of my friends said, you got to come down and see this. He wasn't even a chess player, but everyone knew I was into chess. And I went to this uh, mainframe room. These were these huge computers they had. And basically, I would type like E4, and then the printer would, would print this text board. There wasn't even graphics involved. There would just be a text board showing like little figures that represented the chess pieces. And apparently, I was playing someone in Chile or the Netherlands, uh, somewhere really far away. And, and back then, that was really surprising. I mean, you know, if you were calling someone in Chile, the Netherlands, you had huge long distance bills. But here it was being done on the internet. So it was absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, we played a game and, uh, you, you know, it was, um, I looked, oh, you know, is there a way to invest in internet? But I didn't really follow up. So I'm not a super billionaire. But um, any case, uh, after that, um, a few years later, I was on what they call the Imagination, no, the, yeah, the Imagination Network, and uh, Marty Grund, who was a friend of mine, and eventually one of the founders of the Internet Chess Club, told me about this internet. So now I hadn't used, I hadn't been on the Internet Chess Service since 1989. I really didn't know what it was back then when I played at Syracuse University, as I told you. But now I was on, now I was re-back there, right, again, 92 or so. And um, they had really advanced quite a bit. They had uh, this guy, Andy McFarlane, made like a graphic interface, which was actually very good, um, you know, particularly considering the time. I really enjoyed Zix. Um, and then uh, so I, I would play on there. Eventually I became an admin, as we know. And then they had the big fight where the Internet chess server was ICC before ICC because they were free back then. But Danny Slater, who was also one of the owners of ICC, he had uh, he created Timestamp, which also was a big step forward in the internet chess. Because back then, before Danny Slater created Timestamp, I could be playing you, and I might be sitting there for two minutes, going, "What's Evan doing?" And next thing I know, you know, two minutes is off my clock, and I'm, you know, it's like I was the one who was not moving because the internet, the 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 move took long to transmit, and you were penalized for it. But Danny Slater figured that out with Timestamp, and he created the Internet Chess Club. Um, and then, of course, we went from there. The Internet Chess Club was the market leader and basically had almost everyone. But, um, you know, not to, you know, uh, to, to attack the Internet Chess Club. But listen, they weren't keeping up with, um, like, some of the latest ideas and stuff. Uh, admins like me, and we, there are many admins. And, you know, we were all fans of chess. And we were saying, hey, what if you do this? What if you do that? 
But in the end, I mean, you know, part of it is they, they are a business and uh, they were like, well, you know, we have everyone, you know, we, we don't have to do that. And um, then, you know, chess.com came along and, and, uh, and now even Li Chess. And, you know, as a chess fan, hey, I'm, I'm a super happy. I'm a kid in a candy store because, you know, chess.com and Li Chess, you know, are wonderful. ICC was great also, you know, back then. But um, they're still around, you know, they run tournaments and stuff like that. But they definitely kind of lost their, um, you know, their, their, their huge market lead. I think part of it was they had guests back then where you could come on with, um, you know, free accounts and try out the server. And they got rid of that at the absolute worst time. It was exactly when chess.com was coming up. And I did tell them, you know, and, and some of our admins, hey, you probably should keep that guest policy in. But for whatever reason, they got rid of it. They said, you know, if you want to go in here, you got to pay. So what happened was they made a lot of short-term profit because say like, let's say 100% of the people who are just playing as guests 30% of them maybe joined ICC and paid or whatever the percentage is. The other percentage started looking around where else could we play. And I think that helped a lot with uh, chess.com and building its user base. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, hey, you know, I, I'm a chess fan. So wherever it goes, I'm, I'm happy. And chess.com's really done a lot for chess. Um, I'm a huge fan and LI chess, of course, also. That's awesome. And I, you know, look, I, I look forward to seeing, uh, you know, where things progress. There's always, I feel like new technologies coming out. And- virtual. I, I think it's going to go virtual. Like, I don't know, you, you, you keep up on um, technology and business. You know how everyone's talking about the metaverse and stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, there's any venture capitalists out there, you should be thinking about this. Because just as I saw, you know, this technology develop and all the ways I was talking about, uh, I'm sure, you know, I don't know how long it will be, but at some point, it's all going to, there's going to be some virtual server, whether it's chess.com, LHS, or something we don't know about, where you just put on your goggles and you might be just like we're talking right now. And, you know, it's already coming close. They have square off and some other things where you can almost do this, but it'll be like a virtual world where you play. I think that's the next leap. So to move on, uh, you know, to talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, teaching uh, chess, you know, you've been teaching, uh, you know, for many years, more than, uh, you know, most of our other instructors. So, uh, you know, a a while, um, you know, when you first actually, uh, you know, graduated, you were uh, actually, uh, you know, working with emotionally disturbed children, um, you know, and then, you know, for many years, you've been, uh, you know, teaching in a variety of places, you know, you've been running the, you know, program at the Youth Land Center, I know, in, in Long Island, teaching, uh, you know, a little bit for us in recent years, but also, uh, you know, many other, uh, you know, places as well. Um, what have you learned, uh, you know, over the years about, uh, like, teaching chess, and, uh, like, what, what recommendations do you have for, like, newer chess coaches? Wow, okay, that's a big question. Um, so already, so a newer chess coach, I mean, I think it's very important to gauge the students' goals and levels of, you know, um, that, that I think is one of the most important things for a coach to do and to kind of distinguish, uh, you know, it shouldn't just be like, uh, they could get all from a book, you you know, like the whole reason you're doing a private lesson or to, you know, some extent to school, this and that is, um, you know, you're there to really, you know, show them there's, you know, where they're making their mistakes and give them good examples that it kind of tailor made for them. Obviously, now a school, this is one thing, though, that I think is very important. Um, school programs, a lot of parents uh, don't understand the difference between a private lesson and a school program. The, mm. the more kids you add, 
the more it's about competition and entertainment. And, you, you know, and there's just so many levels, you know, in a, in a typical school program that it's impossible to gear it like a private lesson. So you'll have a lot of parents who maybe they have an advanced kid who's really into it. And they're like, well, you know, I mean, I've had this, you know, why aren't you going over the Marshall Gambit and the Rye Lopez? And mm-hmm. I have kids in the class who don't even know the rules, you know, and um, so, you know, for things like that, you really do need a private coach, but, uh, or, you know, if the kid wants to, he could, you know, do it through videos or technology, whatever they, they want to do and can afford. But I think the most important thing for a new coach, you know, know your student, know what he needs. The other thing is um, to keep it enjoyable. You know, again, um, I know a lot of, and some of them are great, co- you, you know, it really depends what the goal is. If, if the goal is for the kid to become a grandmaster. Now, A, if you're a parent, you should really know what you're getting into. Because, you know, a lot of parents think a kid does one hour less than a week and, uh, you know, no upper chest, he doesn't play online, he doesn't play. And then all of a sudden they're going to go to every tournament and win because they are getting lessons one hour a week. As you know, you know, and particularly if you want to become a grandmaster, you have to do a ton of work. You know, you know it doesn't come easy. I, I know, I think at his name that there's a great grandmaster who's trained some of the world chess champion kids and including that 12 year old, uh, the youngest GM. And he's doing six hours a day in first grade on chess. You know, that, that's what they say. So, you know, as a parent, you have to decide, is that what I want for my kid? And decide wh- where you want to go. But, uh, and also as a coach, you have to know what does the parent want? What does the kid want? And, and then supply it. You know, if the parent really did want their kid to become a GM and do all that work, then you would do your best to supply it or, re- you know, recommend where they, you know, where, where they'd go for that. Um, on the other hand, you know, uh, as I mentioned before, you might have a, a parent and particularly a, and a kid also who's happy, you know, doing it between piano lessons and karate lessons. And he just kind of likes chess. And, and I'll tell you, you know, I have been doing it so long since like 1997 or so um, that I now have students who are already adults, you know, your age or older. And they, um, you know, chess is a nice part of life. They're, they're generally... You know, you know, they're a lot of them are very successful right now. You know, I mentioned the kid who graduated MIT and this I can go on and on about, you know, I'm very proud of a lot of my students, what they've done outside of chess as they've become adults. But they say, hey, you know what? I still play on chess.com or, you know, chess is still like a, a part of their life and they enjoy it. But it's not, you know, they're no GMs and they're not, um, you, you know, they're, they're not aspiring to be. But, you know, those chess lessons really paid off for them. And um, I think that's also, as a coach, you have to know, again, where, where are we going with this? Um, so that's part of it. And, and again, it, it also, um, yeah, I would say that's the, like the main part, you know, assess, uh, gauging where your child's enjoyment, your student's enjoyment is, gauging what the goals are, m- making sure the parent kid uh, are in sync, you know, with you on what, what you're doing. And, um, and also, you know, a difference we mentioned adults and kids. A big difference there also is if you're an adult and you're coming to a coach for a chess lesson, it's assumed that you know what you're doing. You, you know, you have the, the enthusiasm for chess or the reasons. I mean, you're an adult. You, you're paying money for a chess lesson. So it's really much more about the work and the improvement and stuff like that for the adult. For the kid, of course, the improvement and work are, are involved, as I just talked about. But for the kid also, particularly if they're like an elementary school kid, um, it's about showing them why chess is fun, showing them why chess is something they should pursue and, you know, enjoy and showing, you know, getting your enthusiasm for chess to, to getting them to love it, you know, just so, you know, that's, 
So, so it's a different thing. You're, you're more, um, there's more in the, the motivating and introduction aspect at the, at the child level than for the adult level. Although obviously it's all related and you know, the improvement and everything. So those are the main thing. I, mean, I can go on and on, obviously. But <laughs> new coaches want to talk to me. If you to look me up. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, and and I, I do think it's uh, you know kind of cool, uh, you know, in 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 that regard. So, um, and, and yeah, I think you just need to uh, you know kind of figure out. Uh, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying before that uh, you know it depends what you're looking for. Um, you know, parents come to me all the time asking for, uh, you know, oh, should my student be, you know, in a private lesson or in a group class? Um, and like, look, I don't know. You know, that's up to you. People often also, you know, will blindly reach out and say, oh, tell me more about your program. How do you, you know, register? And I'm like, well, we're a company. We do corporate classes. We do school programs. We do private right. lessons. Uh, you know, are you interested for yourself, for your kid? You know, and, and, and I'll be honest, you know, sometimes I almost like play a little dumb, you know, like <laughs> I, I kind of know that there, you know, chances are reaching out, you know, like for their kid. Uh, but at the same time, I, I just like pull back a little bit. And, you know, hey, there was actually one time that, um, you know, a parent reached out looking for, you know, lessons, uh, you know, for her kid. Uh, but I, I just kind of kept an open mind and I said, hey, like, you know, what, what are you what are you reaching out for? You know, she was like, oh, uh, you know, like, yeah, like, you know, private lessons for my five-year-old. Um, but I was like, oh, I, I happened to notice on, on LinkedIn that, uh, you know, you, 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 you work for, you know, KPMG. <laughs> and she was like, oh, yeah, I am a manager over there. And I was like, well, hey, we just did a huge class for Google last week. You know, that's uh, so like, right. before I know it, you know, I, I, okay, we didn't end up doing classes together yet, but um, you know, it, it was a whole bigger conversation than uh, what either of us, you know, was, uh, you know, actually uh, expecting. So I do right. think there's often more, uh, you know, pieces to the puzzle, uh, you know, to, to consider. Um, and by the way, I, I did actually a couple of months ago, write an interesting blog post called the full stack approach to uh, chess development or something like that. And basically the whole idea was actually, if you really want to get better in chess, you should be doing some sort of group class, private mm -hmm. lessons, and your own study uh, and tournaments, right? All four aspects are exactly. absolutely critical, um, you know, because yes, you do need to play against other people. You do need to, uh, you know, practice, but um, at the same time, uh, you know, private lessons, like you said, are where you can learn some of those more advanced concepts. And yes, you also need to think about, uh, you know, realistic, uh, expectations. You know, I've had, you know, similar things, you know, I've had students complain, oh, well, there's like different levels here, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but like, okay, for instance, our virtual group classes, um, you know, they, they come out to $25 a class. Uh, right. Know, lessons vary a little bit more, but you're looking, you know, I would say at least four times that, uh, essentially, um, you know, and, and, and for good reason, right? You're getting one on attention. It's, there's not, you know, a group, um, you know, I've also had private students ask me like, oh, how does this work? Like, what are we going to like learn? I'm like, well, that's totally up to you, you know, mm -hmm. um, in, in, a, in a virtual group. And even by the way, in our virtual group classes, I do in many ways uh, try to make them like private lessons, uh, you know, meaning every single week I'm asking the students, hey, what do you want to learn this week? 
And, uh, right, right, I do that too. And, and I'm taking, uh, you know, elements. Um, you know, I think luckily too, they they've a lot of our students in our virtual group classes. I would say have become, you know, actually a little bit, uh, you know, friendly with each other as well. Uh, you know, which has helped. But um, I do think that is, uh, you know, definitely important to uh, let. Uh, you know, the, the, the students kind of like tell you a little bit about, you know, what, um, you know, they, they want to, uh, you know, actually uh, discuss. So, yeah, I do that the same thing. I just had a group yesterday. We always do that. Like, uh, you know, we start out the class. What do you guys want to look at? And, uh, you know, they've been doing it long enough. They have an idea. I even have a list of different things that I'll, I'll do in the group. And I'll read it off and I'll say, what do you want to do today? Um, but as you said, I, I think, um, there's, you know, the other thing I think people have to understand, whether they're a coach, a parent, a student, is chess is a black hole. Like, there's always more you can do. You have to decide where your line is. You know, as you said, if you're just doing a group class and nothing else, you know, I mean, hopefully you enjoy the group class and you get something from it. But if you want to get to a next level, you could probably do private lessons, too. Um, and then, you know, well, uh, maybe you should be doing individual tournaments and, you know, maybe you should be, you know, doing chest tempo an hour every day. You know, it just goes on and on and on. Um, so you have to decide where your line is. But if you have grandiose plans, you know, to, to really get like, you know, super, super good, you know, you're going to have to put in the work. It's not the coach isn't going to be sitting at the table playing for you. Um, you know, it just because the other thing is you're often planning against other people who have coaches and doing, but if they're doing the extra stuff, you know, that'll that'll be it. Actually, I had um a friend of mine, um uh who he was on a six hour a day um study plan. He he actually Larry Tamarkin, he loved guy in chess. Uh, he passed away recently. Yeah. I miss him. Yeah. Anyway, he was on the six hour a day. He told me, Brian, I'm gonna make 2400. I'm studying just six hours a day. And then he played another one of my friends, and uh, we were talking on online. And uh, he lost to him. The friend was, you know, a stronger player, a, a strong master. And uh, I said, boy, Larry, you know, ever since I'll call him Frank went on the six, the six and a half hour a day study plan, he's just become so strong. And Larry immediately disconnected. He was serious. Wow. So to move on. Um, yeah. And, and look, uh, you know, may Larry rest in peace. I've actually first met him when he was working for uh, Shanaz Kennedy at uh, the Churchill yeah. School, where, uh, you know, I actually, uh, you know, got into chess. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I look recently, uh, you know, having been now at two world championships, uh, you know, the Carlson and uh, Karjakin match in New York in, in 2016, and uh, most recently in Dubai uh, at the Carlson uh, Nepo uh, match. Um, you know, I've been, you know, I guess a little bit more interested, uh, you know, in, in, in world championships and, and, and broadcasting. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, had the privilege, I guess, of, uh, you know, looking at the, uh, you know, Kasparov, uh, a non-match. Um, you know, what, what was that like? And, uh, you know, what, 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 what yeah, like give, give us a little, uh, you know, insight. Yeah, that, that was a tremendous experience, uh, you know. So back then, uh, that's when, you know, the internet wasn't that well known, uh, you know, to the broader community. So I came there and I think even the organizer there, you know, that's the guy from the internet, you know, and it sounded like, you know, um, from Buck Rogers or something like no one really knew exactly what I'd be doing. Of course, we know now, uh, you know, I'm just gonna be on the computer relaying the moves. 
And I met Carol Jurecki, unfortunately also recently deceased. Uh, she was the arbiter at the match. And this was a, a couple months before the match began. And uh, we did a tour of the, of the site with the, um, the person who was setting it up. Uh, and uh, she had all sorts of things she was pointing out, you know, this lightning needs to be changed and this and that and going on and on. And I'm just kind of watching because I'm just going to be there with a computer relaying the move. You know, I want to make sure we have the internet hooked up. But that was basically the main thing. And then he goes, oh, is there anything else you need? Uh, you know, and he points to me because I wasn't really suggesting much. And I said, well, you know, uh, I need to be able to see the players. That would be nice. You know, I could talk, you know, about what the players are doing. And the guy goes, okay, we'll construct this glass booth above the players. So, I mean, I don't know if anyone had such a great, you know, seat uh, for a world championship match. I was literally in a glass booth above Casprom and Ann. And uh, yeah, it was an amazing thing. I, I actually, you know, I had only been living in New York. Uh, of course, I grew up in New York, but then I moved to Syracuse for school and then eventually to Pittsfield, Massachusetts, where, um, you know, I taught those emotionally disturbed kids. Now, when I was in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, I couldn't play rated chess because the local tournament director had a fight with the state association, MACA, and for whatever reason, he was unable to do rated tournaments. So I was playing for like four years or something. Now, now there was a way I could do it. I could travel to Springfield, Massachusetts, which is about 45 minutes away, play my tournament game, come back 45 minutes. But I was working crazy hours with these emotionally disturbed kids, and I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't able to do that much. So, um, so anyway, I really was isolated. I, you know, it's kind of funny. I was so into chess. I mean, I was, you know, reading about it. You know, the second I really got into it. But uh, you know, this was again mostly in my uh, late teens. So very quickly, I I was in college at Syracuse, um, and there weren't really many title players around there. They did have a local club. I met one or two masters, but for the most part. You know, um, I, I didn't have a lot of experience meeting really strong players. We did have Joel Benjamin up at Syracuse University, and that was a real treat. Um, but then when I went, of course, to the World Championship, you know, I was like, and, and again, I had read about all these players. I had been following chess for years, but I had not met many, many of them. And all of a sudden, everyone's there. Um, so I got, you know, every anyone who was everyone there. And as we know, this was on the top of the World Trade Center. They actually had the um opening ceremony on september 11th but luckily it was 1995 um uh you know they came later pretty much a whole generation of chess players would you know 9-11 came later a whole generation of chess players would have just been wiped out i mean kasparov and ann kramnik you know every new york grandmaster just about so uh the chess world was lucky in that way but yeah i mean it was an amazing experience um you know, to talk to Castro, to talk to, not that I talked to them that much, but I, I met them a bit. I was in the VIP press uh, things, um, you know, you know, and also no one really knew. Um, they still didn't know really what the internet, a lot of even the players there. Um, so I know I was on the internet chess club when Larry Christensen was going over something. And I said, uh, this GM, um, it's a GM from like, Sweden or something. I forget what his name is. Uh, anyway, I say, oh, you know, GM so-and-so says, hello, Larry. And Larry looks at me and he's like, oh, where is he? You know, like, like this has no idea what I'm talking about. I'm like on my computer. And, you know, again, the internet and, and, you know, let alone, you know, all this chess stuff was new and Larry was completely baffled. Um, uh, you know, I helped Walter Brown, you know, get into the internet and use chess space. You know, I met him there. Um, 
so it was, it was really just a, a tremendous experience uh, just meeting everyone being there um you know the experience of a lifetime and i do owe that to the internet chess club also i think it's maybe the first broadcast there was a, i did a one tournament before that but those had to be one of the first broadcast events um yeah uh, just amazing experience yeah, and I, I do find it, uh, you know, very fascinating. Um, you know, by the way, you mentioned Joel Benjamin, a uh, little sneak preview. He and Harold Scott about their new book about the world. Oh, yes. Are actually yeah. be, well, they're, they're actually coming on the podcast uh, in, a, in a few weeks uh, together. I, I definitely look forward uh, to that. Um, yeah, Harold is, uh, I've known Harold quite a bit, and he's, I'm really looking forward to his book, um, you know, the, the World Open book. That'll, that'll be great. So the last thing I really wanted to, you know, ask you about, uh, you know, you've been, uh, yeah, a very big, uh, you know, Facebook uh, user. Um, Facebook has been uh, obviously instrumental uh, for our business. We recently uh, surpassed 10,000 likes on our Facebook page, uh, which has been, uh, you know, absolutely massive. We get inquiries, uh, you know, for lessons almost every day, uh, you know, from, from Facebook, it's uh, also been a great way to promote, uh, you know, our podcast, uh, our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash premier chess, you know, all of our events, Uh, but also, you know, we use it as a community. Um, You know, if you look at our page every day, you'll see, uh, you know, different events all around the world. You know, we constantly, uh, you know, share stuff, uh, you know, of events that are, you know, not uh, our own, uh, you know, for instance, but um, yeah, you you started uh, you know a, a huge now chess book uh, collector uh, group, uh, right? Well, as uh, a world championship group, I think you already uh, rebranded it uh, like two or three times. You know, after after each match, which you know obviously makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, I keep moving it. But uh, could you talk a little bit about like the chess Facebook community and, uh, you know, kind of like what motivates you to like create these groups and, uh, you know, where, where, you know, like, where do you see them going? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, so actually, the first thing I created was my page uh, Scholastic Chess. And knowing how Scholastic Chess was growing, I figured that would be a huge thing. That never really took off. It's still around. Uh, basically. Okay, well, first off, before we say any of this, as you probably know, I'm like a chess fanatic. So I'm way before, you know, I created any Facebook groups, way before Facebook existed, every day I'm reading about chess, you know, when the internet came along, I'm on the chess cafe, chess space every day, you know, you know, I'm always reading articles on chess. And um, what I what I saw with Facebook was the opportunity to really get a chance to discuss these articles with like-minded people. Plus I'm looking at all the stuff anyway. So I started this classic page originally and whenever I saw an article on Scholastic page, which of course I would read, I'd then post about it on the Scholastic page. And uh, you know, I did this was a long time ago that I started the Scholastic page. I don't even know when, like 2009, maybe even earlier. But as I say, I think we got maybe 2,000 people or something like that, which isn't you know much um, compared to other Facebook stuff. But I, you know, I still do it. Um, but then uh, I think it was during the NBA Finals. I, you know, during a commercial break, even I was like, you know, I really like chess books. Why don't I create a group for that? And I figured, you know, chess books, unlike classic chess, you know, how big is that group going to be? You know, maybe I'll get a couple of my friends and some other people I don't know, but that'll be fine. We'll talk about chess books. Well, as you know, it, it kind of just blew up. 
Um, now I do, I, I think I do a fairly good job, you know, uh, doing light moderating, making sure the posts stay on topic, you know, that they're about chess books. I know early on we got someone posting about the windmill attack in chess, which nothing to do with chess books. So, you know, I immediately deleted that. And I think, uh, and also a big thing I made with the chess books, you know, no illegal copyrights. Uh, you know, you always get that. We just had one of those this morning because, you know, then it just becomes, if it's about illegally copyrighted books, you know, sharing that, you know, not only is it morally wrong, but, you know, you're, you're not going to get much of a community and get people to show up just to, to steal books. Um, so we, we eliminated that. But anyway, as you know, it's it's blown up. Uh, I think you said it's 52,000. Every time I look at it, it's more. You know, it just like gets more and more and more. I don't know what it's at right now. I know the the um, World Championship Group, FIDE World Championship Group, I think you said it was at like 40 or 50,000, you know, based on data I gave you. But that was and and it might be it might be more, by the way, too. That's just what I saw. It is. You know? No, no, well, it was my data. I'm not blaming you. But um, that was that was old data. If you look at it now, it's seventy-two thousand or something like that. So it like just keeps expanding. And um, again, I don't think it's so much that I'm doing anything great, other than some general moderating, keeping people on task. You know, you don't want to go to a group. I know when I go to other groups, and you know they have something that sounds really fantastic. You know, oh, this is on you know chess endgame studies or something. Well, they they do have a chess endgame study, which is very good group, which is very good. So I'm not trying to pick on them. But I'm saying whatever it is, it's a uh, some sort of group where you're like, okay, this will be really great. And then you uh, go to the group. And there's and lots of spam. Yeah, it's all spam or it has nothing to do with what the group's about. You know, it's not updated. So, you know, okay, I, I take care of that. And um, and as a result, yeah, it really explodes. But I'm like you, I don't make any money on it. You know, I enjoy it as a fan. It's what I wanted, you know, like, like I like chess books. So now I have a place to go and I have a lot of, I've met a lot of people who are really into chess books. Um, and again, I follow world championships. Now I have a place to go where I follow world championships. But, you know, there's no money angle or anything like that. But hey, you know, it's, uh, I'm not complaining. You know, it's great. You know, one other thing I'll mention, getting back to something we talked about earlier. So in this chess book group, there's, there's some good players, obviously. I mean, we have people like Nigel Short and Agard, you know, who are regular contributors. But there's a lot of people in the chess book group who know an incredible amount about chess and I've read an incredible number of books and yet they're not very, um, you, you know, they either don't play in tournaments or they haven't really distinguished themselves in tournament play. And um, that, that got me to wondering, you know, why is that the case? Because they're, they're clearly smart people and they clearly know their chess. And I'm sure you've run into people like this. I mean, I'm like this to a certain extent, uh, you know, even though I am a candidate master, the amount of study I've done, you know, I could be much more, you know, but, um, I think that's because at, at a certain point, people kind of choose whether subconsciously, unconsciously, they have only so much time in the day. And some kind of lean towards, I really enjoy studying chess, um, not as much playing, or I don't have, I only have time for one or the other. So you get some people who really get into the chess books and, uh, you know, just studying chess, but they don't play that much, you know, and they're, they're not really that concerned about improvement, either consciously or subconsciously. And then, of course, everyone, people like you, I would consider a player. You're ready to play anyone, anywhere, anytime. You love playing. But, you know, as far as I know, I think I recall you said something like, you know, the one book you read was on Michael Adams games or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, because you're not, you're, your main priority is playing. And there's lots of people, Rob Guevara, Jay Bonin, we can mention all sorts of names of people who love playing chess, um, but not studying. And then there's the reverse. And I think the people who love playing chess, 
because they're in the community and they're well known and particularly if they get you know a nice title or something, everyone knows about them. A lot of the people in the chess book collectors group are people you'd never hear of because they really they're not playing in tournaments or or not much if they do or you know. But that doesn't mean they're not they're kind of like the silent majority and or not necessarily a majority, but they're a silent huge group in chess who really know their chess, really love their chess. But listen, you know, if you're reading books on, you know, on chess end games and all this, but not playing, no one's going to hear of you. So it, it is a whole other side, I think, of chess that the chess book collectors group kind of captured. Yeah. And, I, you know, look, I, I think it's, it's great to see such a, you know, big community. Uh, you know, you mentioned Nigel Short. Of course, he's been on right. the cast as well. <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, but um, yeah, and, and like, look, our Facebook page is actually similar. You know, it, it ranges from, uh, you know, people like, you know, Susan Polgar, who's been on our podcast, who's a fan, who's, uh, you know, obviously a, a well-known grandmaster. And then you have, right. uh, you know, someone like you and I, you know, around master level. And then you have, uh, you know, complete beginners and uh, like just fans on there. So um, it is great, uh, you know, everyone, uh, you know, coming together. Um, I think I think the world, you know, you know, when IBM, when they first had that deeper blue match, the the their website kept crashing because they would underestimate the numbers of people who like chess. Because, again, I think if you only judge chess by the number of people who play in tournaments, you know, and things like that, there's a whole other group of chess players that um, like chess and don't do that. You, you know, now now they're coming out more and more because of all the online stuff. So the world's seeing more of how many people into chess. I think in the past, I didn't really recognize that, you know, huge number of people who like chess, but you wouldn't know it unless you really, you know, knew them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think that is, uh, you know, definitely, uh, you know, in, in, important to, you know, consider. And we do need to, um, you know, just really build a, you know, community. Uh, you know, one thing we take pride on is actually teaching, you know, literally students, uh, you know, age three to 100 plus uh, mm -hmm. in age, um, you know, where we're able to, uh, you know, teach people from, you know, all different, uh, you know, backgrounds. Um, you know, actually just this morning, I, I shared a, a post that, uh, you know, created two years ago about this, uh, you know, march against uh, anti uh, Semitism uh, in New um, York, you know, actually, just um, but, um, you know, and how, you know, we do take pride of actually taking people on uh, all different, uh, yeah, like not just skill levels, but, uh, you know, different backgrounds, uh, right, right. Uh, you know, et cetera. So, um, yeah, we definitely, um, you know, look forward to, uh, you know, consistently doing that. So, uh, Brian, uh, you are definitely uh, a wealth of information. We could be uh, I'm sure doing, uh, you know, a five-hour episode if we're not, uh, <laughs> but um, or or longer. Um, you know, we'll definitely love to, uh, you know, have you on again at at some point. But um, it was great talking about some, you know, suggestions for adult improvement, uh, reasons to, you know, get better in chess, uh, time management in chess and business mm -hmm. development of the internet uh, chess. Uh, seen uh, recommendations for newer chess coaches, differences of private lessons and school programs, uh, broadcasting the 1995 Anand Kasparov match, uh, managing uh, Facebook groups, uh, and more. Uh, is there anything else uh, you'd like to highlight uh, while you you're know, on the podcast? One thing I'd like to say, um, you know, is 
you, you know, you deserve a lot of credit and people like you who have organized and marketed chess, you know, again, I've seen it develop. I've been into chess, uh, you know, for so long. And although I, I teach and do a lot of that stuff, um, you know, and I have run some programs and things like that, but that's never been, you, you know, the, the passion, the teaching has been my passion, the, the setting up and hiring instructors and, you know, checking, you know, did they do this right and the classes. I mean, I've done some of that, that, that hasn't been my passion as much, but you are one of the most effective I've ever seen at that. And it's great. It's great for the teachers. It spreads chess. It's great for obviously the students and people who take your class. The more people, I, I always say, you, you know, it's great for the teachers. It spreads chess. I never saw other teachers as competitors so much. I've never had to worry about, you know, getting my fair share of students. Um, the only type of teachers I didn't want were the ones who would, um, you know, kind of like make people not like chess, you, you know, do a bad job. So whenever there's a teacher, whether it's me or it's someone running programs like you, um, who is getting people, more and more people into chess, it helps the whole chess community and, and the other chess teachers. So, uh, you know, great job, Evan. You know, I really uh, respect what you accomplished. Yeah, well, I, I definitely, uh, you know, appreciate that. And, um, you know, it's something we've talked, uh, you know, a lot about uh, on the podcast, uh, you know, many times, uh, you know, it's the importance of collaboration, uh, you know, among mm -hmm. best teachers. Um, you know, we've had, uh, you know, from the, you know, most famous Bruce Pandolfini to, uh, you know, my, my good friend, John Hendrick in, in, in Texas, uh, you know, foundation, uh, the founder of Foundation Chess to, um, you know, Elliot Neff, the founder of Chess for Life, um, you know, and, and I will say people even ask me sometimes, you know, why are you like promoting these other like chess companies and, and chess teachers, uh, you know, like, but, you know, at the same time, I, I see it as, you know, quite the opposite. You know, I see it as we're back, a yeah. big community and, uh, you know, we're working together. I mean, for one, Bruce Pandolfini has been uh, one of the biggest friends and mentors that I've had. Uh, He's great. He's great. Years. Um, you know, we, uh, along with Gary Ryan and Olga Inglis, actually did a great event together at the Yale Club a few, a few weeks ago. It was amazing. Um, but anyway, without getting, uh, you know, too distracted, um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you that um, I think sometimes chess teachers will kind of be a little bit in their territories um, right, right. and not, you know, really collaborate with others. But, uh, you know, hey, at the end of the day, um, it makes a lot of business sense, you know, to work together. Um, you know, honestly, at, at one point, uh, you know, to talk very openly on the podcast, um, I know Brian Karen has been, you know, teaching chess for many, many years. He's a, you know, very well-established chess teacher in Long Island. Um, you know, and at one point I, you know, I was looking for a, like a chess teacher for, uh, you know, a kid. And I, I, you know, I asked Brian, uh, you know, if he knew of anyone more to see if some, if he knew someone else. And, and he was like, oh, like kind of like myself, I'm, I'm, I'm available to do it. Um, and at the same time, you know, look, I, I, I promise you, I know a lot of other chess teachers, even if they were available, they would almost like play dumb a little bit and just, you know, say like, oh, no, I'm not available because they didn't want to like work like another, you know, chess company. Um, right, right. At the end of the day, like, you know, look, if it makes financial like sense for, for both of us, like, okay, you know, it, it absolutely does. And, uh, you know, it worked out tremendously. 
Um, so lastly, uh, if anyone wants to, you know, reach out, learn more about your, you know, career, your, uh, you know, Facebook groups, uh, you know, et cetera, uh, is there people could get a hold of you? Oh, oh, um, well, you probably email is the best option. Um, Brian, my name, B-R-I-A-N-K-A-R-E-N at USA.net. So, you know, like the country USA. Uh, so Brian Karen at USA.net. That's the easiest, um, I would say, to reach me. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time, uh, Brian. I look forward to speaking to you soon. And, uh, okay. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Evan. Uh, uh, thank you. Bye.